You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, company culture coach and founder of Liberty Mind. And I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations, thought leaders, and people about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. This season is sponsored by the Breathe Culture Pledge, a community of like-minded SMEs who are committed to building and maintaining a people-first culture. Whether you've got your company culture nailed or need a little guidance to improve it, joining the Breathe Culture Pledge gives you the recognition and resources you need to help your culture flourish. Plus, it's 100% free. Join over 700 SMEs and invest in your people today. Head over to breathehr.com forward slash culture pledge to find out more. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the Changemaker Sessions. On today's podcast, I have Chantelle Wilson, director of the Pioneers and proud member of a tech startup still in stealth mode. Chantelle has a genuine care for people and has been working in people teams for 18 years and loves to combine her passion for hospitality with solving complex problems. I first discovered Chantelle's work through LinkedIn and had to get her on the podcast as I knew her rebellious nature and mindset for making things work for people would make for an inspiring talk. So let's get started. Hi Chantal and thank you so much for joining me for the Change Maker Sessions on this season. So I know we had a couple of conversations a few weeks ago and mm. I remember finding you through LinkedIn and thinking I need to connect to this person because I love the way on your profile it said giving a shit about you <laughs> and instantly I was like this is my kind of person <laughs> and I just I know when we had our first conversation together, I was kind of blown away by how you kind of, I suppose, sort of fell into culture and and sort of changing organisations. And I'd love for you to explain how you came into this world, because I don't know about you, but I sometimes get people message me and say, oh, hey, Lizzie, how do I get into company culture? And they think it needs to be that really like traditional Mm. HR route. So I would love for you to explain to our audience sort of how you came to be in this world. Oh, well, you know, thanks for liking the giving a shit about humans. I just was really over trying to find a tagline that made sense. And that one was just literally what I felt. Uh, And so, yeah, I do get um, lots of different comments about it. And it's really just honestly, that's just uh, how it is. And I think I would say the same thing about culture. You know, I think think there's got to be something inside you that's going like, well, why? how and it's that constant need of you know I say it like problem solving but really it's just innate curiosity and I think um I did traditionally come in through HR but I I hated HR I went to business school um and like thought I was going to do supply chain which is hilarious um and uh and then I just got hired with my um headhunter that I I first went to as a recruiter and and then I just kind of stuck with it. And I, I think I always had like a tiny rebellion happening in HR because I just didn't necessarily think things had to go the way that they were saying. So like 
survey once a year for feedback or like um you know performance reviews once a year pay like it's just it was so containing all the time always felt contained um and I think as I grew in my career I just got more confident with being like mm, don't agree with that just didn't feel right as a human and now kind of 18 years in <laughs> to people uh i'm a lot more willing to just say how i feel and um thankfully i think a lot of the world is turning that way to human you know the irony that hr is human resources when actually i think there's enough out there that says people ops and having a human approach is actually generally quite different than the way hr is now kind of um geared from a compliance point of view so yeah tiny rebellion happened and um lots of curiosity and just starting to trust yourself oh I love that I love the curiosity because I always say to people I think that's what we're sometimes lacking is that curiosity that that sense of asking why things are done a certain way and not following the status quo all the time like kind of really questioning it and yeah I know that we're both of the same mindset (laughs) trying to kind of break those rules (laughs) what do you think stops businesses from from doing these kind of breaking the rules kind of shifting the status quo what do you think stops people from adopting this mindset that we kind of really want to encourage it's exhausting just like it's exhausting. Anyone who's ever worked with me will tell you the first word might be exhausting because to find the right maybe thing to break, right? If you're going to throw a grenade, you got to throw a lot of grenades. Like you've got to ask a lot of whys and it's easier not to. It's just easier. You can maintain your energy. You know, it's not chaotic. It's, uh, you know, um, the word for it's calm it's you know curiosity will bring up emotion fire you know people's opinions and in that i think innovation happens and i don't mean raw and a negative i just mean from an intellectual point of view of going like mm, are you sure have you considered this what about that it's exhausting and i generally think the time in companies the time required for a company to do that effectively, they just don't give their employees or so their culture doesn't embrace it. You want to, but actually if you don't stop and pivot and say, how do we make time with no agenda, with no, you know, goal and just to like let the brain fire, uh, I think it's impossible to try to really change the world. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. It's that time piece again, isn't it? People think that, you know, and I, it's, it's like turning that ship. It takes that kind of consistent habit building of kind of mm-hmm. moving it very, very slowly. And we are so kind of conditioned in our current society for everything to be like a quick fix. Yeah. And to think, oh, if I just change this magically, everything's going to be amazing. And it's like, <laughs> no, we don't have an Amazon for culture yet, guys. Like, <laughs> it's not just gonna like turn up on the door and everything's gonna be fine it's you know it's that constant experimentation as well so it is that unsticking that might happen for a while where you kind of have to keep going back to the board about why something didn't work and what did work Mm. and it it is I think so many people are looking for that quick fix Would, would you say the same what's kind of been your experience 
I, I think you've nailed it. The quick, there's no Amazon for, um, for culture. I, you know, in the, this is hard to, I think, explain people who are, you know, in any type of culture work, whatever the role is, consultant in a company, I think you'll find that's your biggest hurdle is you're trying to go to a pitch or a conversation and you know that person's already thinking like, okay, so what's that one thing? What's that one thing we're investing in? And you actually want to be like, there's about 20 conversations I need to have before we can talk about, and you, you feel like you're behind the ball before you've even started. Um, and so I think of it like a spider web. It's invisible. It has lots of little intricacy, intricacies, sorry. And you fix one part and like the wind will come and blow the other part of the web out. And you're like, no man, this is good, but this is gone. And, and I think, um, the habit forming that you talked about in the rhythm actually is not on fixing the problem at all. It's, it's creating an environment in which the problem can be fixed. That that's the one thing I think you can do. Unfortunately, there's probably like a thousand tasks in that one uh, single answer, a thousand tasks to do that. So that if there was any one size fits all, I'd say it's, trying to get the muscle to create the environment in which you can pivot change to actually do stuff um hard I mean like super hard I think to do yeah yeah absolutely I always like I, I really love the book um Atomic Habit by James Clear and so much of what he says about things about habit building um like what you've just said about building that environment he says about habits I'm gonna totally not be able to kind of remember how it goes exactly but he says you know if you want to build a really strong habit you have to create the environment to encourage that habit and it is exactly the same when you're doing that culture work is how do we create that environment so that we are always willing and confident to change things and to make those But it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's that still that fear, even after, because I got really excited, right, when the pandemic was happening. I know it was a crappy time for everybody. <laughs> but it was like, oh, yes, finally, people have had a bit of a shakeup. Like, there's Ooh. been a shakeup. And I'm excited yeah. of, like, people are going to come out of this and they're going to be really excited to shake things up. We're going to see some big changes. And now I see people kind of defaulting and falling back into their old habits and I'm like no please like the optimism inside me so what what do you think is that do we need more of excitement around change rather than this fear I mean it's really hard to encourage but what what do you see around that kind of change piece oh I like I had such a sad conversation last week on this exact topic where like top five global companies okay one of them they're new they're working from home policy they're flexible working excuse me is uh mandatory three days in the office you need to go okay prescriptive of what days they are and specific to like kind of task forming of what you should be doing in those days and i'm like that is not a flexible like that's not a flexible working like I'm all for having some level of not control, but um, rhythm, like so that people can meet and have connection points and all that kind of fringe stuff that happens at the water cooler, like all that. I'm cool with that. But even a company that knows all the research and all the science and all the evidence base to go three days a week prescribed of what those days are. I'm like, wow, we've rebounded right back circa 19, 2019, right? And I was so disappointed because I had all this hope too that 
people would realize, um, you know, connection can happen over Zoom. You know, like we've never met and I think you're awesome. Like connection can happen. But, you know, the problems you have in person, they'll still show up online. And I think we've fallen into a trap of let's just remove all those excuses, right? Everyone just needs to be in the office together and everything's going to be okay. And I think there's a rude awakening of people have changed. The dynamic and levels of control has, I think, can never be repaired in the best way. You know, people want their life and people want um, family in a different way. And I, I think that's the lasting change. I think what we haven't found, figured out is the domino effect of how do employers deal with it? And I think we're going to make a lot more, a lot of mistakes before we probably get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I am confident that that change is, is going to happen. It just might be a bit rocky, I think, to get there. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. Oh, you so did. You so did. (laughs) It is. It's it's like you say, there's so much been in the press about, you know, people getting that kind of still old carrot and stick mentality of kind of forcing people back into Mm -hmm. the office. And, you know, I keep hearing like horror stories Mm. of, you know, companies that are acting in still this very authoritarian Mm. standpoint and but then I have conversations with with people and they're like, well, do you know what? Actually, I can just find somewhere else that is offer fle- offering flexible working. Yeah. Um, the, the change is going to, I think there's going to be this undercurrent of like a people movement before mm-hmm. the employers move. It's kind of, mm-hmm. and I think that's where a lot of these businesses need to be cautious is that they're actually going to become outdated very, very quickly, especially with, as we know, the rate of change in terms of technology and the digital age, like that just continues to accelerate, you know, like, bitcoin and crypto stuff that's going crazy at the moment so all of that is going to change the very foundations of our economy and our society so they're gonna have to kind of keep up with the pace otherwise they're just gonna become like dinosaurs i think you just said it like that great um resignation right like that movement's here it's not going anywhere you can see people shifting and i i am it will get there. It will get there. It's just going to feel a bit messy, I think, for yeah. some people. But, uh, you know, let's hold strong. It's going to yeah. get there. Keep having those conversations. Like, you know, dads keep saying you want better paternity leave, right? Moms, let's keep talking about, I mean, don't even get me going on kind of maternity and the choices you have to make. Do you want to work or do you not want to work? Why can't we just, like, do some stuff? Like, you know, like, like I want to work some days and some days I don't. And so I think there's a bigger movement that's going to happen um the start is putting rebalancing the level of family and work i I think that is happened and i think it's only going to get better it just might be messy yeah definitely (laughs) we've had so many lessons haven't we over the past two years when it comes to how we work so you know like you say i said earlier everything's now pretty much on zoom (laughs) or online you know flexible working there's been so many different um I mean, I, I, I said to someone recently, I'm, I'm proper lame, but I've only just discovered the hilarity of TikTok. I feel like I'm that nerdy kid that's oh, yeah. finally caught up with the trend. <laughs> but the reason that I love it is because I didn't realize how much workplace humor was on there. I was like, this is amazing. This is so good. So I, I mean, it's a black hole for anyone that does that goes on there. I mean, you will literally waste hours of your life on TikTok <laughs> if you go on there. But what I really loved was, 
all of these kind of, you know, workplace humor of people working from home and things and just saying it like it is basically, which is like what I love. But what do you think is one of the biggest lessons like you've learned over these past two years after everything we've gone through in terms of this big, big workplace shift? Like, is there something that really stands out to you as like a big lesson? So many, so, so many lessons. I don't, I like. I think I'm. I'm gonna try to explain this, and it, I hope it comes across. Tell me if it sounds daft, but you know, I built um, like most people, directors, right? You have an employee life cycle. There's there's certain components in the life cycle. There's some innovation around it, but truly, it's pretty like standardized, right? And you know, I would use it. Of course, I would. It taught. It was helpful to identify you know, programs or tools that you were going to have to, initiatives going to have to do, right? Like I said, surveys, performance reviews, pay. And I think even though I put myself on a disruptive, curious side, even I actually was quite traditionalist, I think, in how I built strategies. And, and you know, right before the pandemic, I had started to test the theory on learning. So we were having, I'm neurodiverse, I'm super dyslexic, dyspraxic. I'm proud of that. It helps me be different. But L&D functions always were my struggle. Always. Like there's a book at every single course. And, I, and I'm not a book person. I'm a podcaster because I'm an audible learner. Like, and I just I never got it. Anyway, so we started really tinkering with it a year before the pandemic. Like, let's go 100% bespoke. Let's try to give people learning at the point of need. Like we were like going after kind of evidence-based, could we redesign it? So we designed this whole thing. It's all on bot automation. There's a lot of data that gets transferred. There's a lot of different content. And it launches like like a month or so before the pandemic. So it, it, it gets scrapped immediately that we've been working on it. Because, I mean, who's looking at L&D stuff when you're trying to pay people? But what we did is we actually repurposed all of that tech for furlough. And so I found myself in the best position ever. I had innovated in an area that would have potentially been really good. Don't know. Didn't get to test it. But I was innovating. We were innovating. And so therefore, when a problem came, we could pivot like that. And I think that for me is the overwhelming learning that I took from it is to go, one, if you're testing and you're innovating, you're only going to get better because you don't know the problem that's going to hit you in the ass in a, like in a month, right? And ours just happened to be, you know, furlough, constantly changing legalities. Like, you know, we could tell our people what they were going to earn the minute truly Rishi told us. So that ability to pivot that quickly was fantastic. But the real learning was we were already on it. We just repurposed stuff. So I, I think the employee life cycle and how that all ties together is, is actually the movement of people operations. Where's the tension points? What are the interactions that your people have with your business? They're not all in HR. <laughs> like, and they're not all in the people function. They're, you know, some are finance, some are suppliers and actually cultures about all of that, right? What am I feeling? What am I doing? What am I thinking? To think it's only ever going to be on the six programs you do. I think now how daft was I to not see the bigger picture. So learning one is 
I think the people ops movement of where is the relationship and the experience of your people, huge, huge, huge learning. And, and two is when you innovate, um, you don't know where it's going to bring you. The point is to get on that track, start innovating and start pivoting. And yeah, I, I'll never, I'll never build strategy the same again. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can so relate to what you've just said. <laughs> I had, I had a conversation with a friend recently and he said, um, you know, Lizzie, we're always evolving, never arriving. And I was like, that is it. I was like, that is literally it. And like, yeah. like you say, it's just put yourself on that track of, you know, I'm willing to accept that what I'm working on right now might evolve. It might have to change. Like the, the benchmark might move or it might disappear entirely. Um, yeah. Because like you say, you know, at that in 2020 we were all like this is gonna be the year of good stuff big change we were all so optimistic like I love I love looking back at my diary and you know <laughs> listening to old podcasts with people just being so positive about 2020 just like oh we were just so willing for it to be a great year yeah but it is it's then that you know that that thing happens that catalyst where everything changes and we we do live in a really volatile world now so we can't be naive enough to think that it's always going to remain the same there's all there's so much change happening and i love what you've said you know having that willingness to just innovate and be experimental and think well no matter what happens we could we can use this for so many other things so that is just a most powerful example of, of innovation I love that thank you so much for sharing that Chantal I'm glad it made sense because in my mind it really does but I, <laughs> I think um, sometimes you struggle to articulate it so yeah, uh, yeah. I like the never, never arriving that if you could bonus off that that's the <laughs> yeah that's the challenge for people directors or um, HRDs is how do you bonus off of that? How do you bonus on there's no arrival date? And I think that's where the hard work is needed in some of those traditional functions is you can say innovate all you want. And if their bonus and what their those KPIs, those offers are, if they're all about arriving, you know, you, you, you're in a box whether you like it or not. Yeah, definitely. That's why I, I think I'm sure you probably have the same struggle as well when you're working with clients, but people are always like, so what are we going to get at the end of this? What's going to be the outcome? I'm like, uh, it's great for you because like a lot of the time they work maybe in a very metric database mm. kind of, you know, environment. So they're really used to having some kind of like tangible outcome. And I was like, well, by all means, we can do surveys to create some tangible outcome. Mm. I was like, but the truth is this is a journey and it's going to be constantly like you're constantly going to be tweaking and changing this. So it's not like, oh yeah, we we did this and now everything's fine and perfect and our culture is like boom, fixed. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> And I think there's like, what's really helped me is getting into the product mode of being like, actually, if the outcome is we're going to build something like, like no matter what that is, that could be technical database. Like, so I do a lot of data and automation. So it can be technical um, building, or it can be building things like a feedback loop, or it can be building, you know, a really good interaction workflow, whether that's automated or not automated, like. I think if you center yourself around what are we going to build, what are we going to build and what are we going to get out of it, you're going to move the dial. And contrary to what you're saying is like, okay, well, what are we going to get out of it from a like technical is performance going to go up 10%? Well, I don't know. We're going to test this part. And the theory is yes, but here's the products in which 
will take you from A to Z. And I think it's that product mindset that we should steal that from tech because I think they do it really well and they disrupt yeah. mega yeah. industry, dinosaur industries, right? So I'm stealing as much from them as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so true. It is because like you say, we, we put things things are so fluid in that respect but they're doing exactly the same thing you know the agile movement that started in tech and digital so it's kind of like and that's now massively coming into the 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 people um sort of realm like that agile agility kind of mindset and their practices are coming into the people's way so yeah i can definitely see it moving more with that kind of pace of of product and evolution i love that you've you've shared that (laughs) what do you think is one thing because we've kind of spoken about you know that need for innovation and change what do you think is like one thing that you really hope will be completely gone from work in the next five years like if you could say Lizzie I just want this to to change (laughs) people just need to wake up and smell the roses about this thing like what do you really hope will have will have changed over the next five years I think it's the the mindset that technology replaces humanity and I just fundamentally disagree and I've seen it especially the last two years where that's not the case but somehow we're rooted in this like automation or any version of technology is taking away you know our ability to socialize like I hear all the time about kids too right and it's like you know people said that about telephone by the way like back in the day they said that about telephone teenagers nowadays are always standing beside the pole with the television like like we're the behaviorally we have this thing that says is humanity going to survive if we keep bringing in technology and i think we're far better if we, we we look at it from a what's the part where that's like it's not humanity it's taking away from our ability how do we automate that so that we can have the really good human conversation and um I think the world has changed and that old mentality needs to go of let's embrace it and carve out the areas where humanity will never go. How do we hold that strong? That's the culture bit I want is how do we hold that strong and automate the other stuff? Um, because we can't just keep trying to do everything and saying, no, we don't need that. We know we don't need that because it's going to come anyway. Number one. Um, and two, we'd be far more in the driver's seat if we embraced it and, um, reposition roles if it's a shit job freaking reposition it like you know i don't know anyone who likes to do references or you know um uh email inbox that twenty thousand people can email no one is going that's a great job yes they need the job but imagine what they could be doing if you gave them really good information to actually sprinkle like proper love into your business so yeah reposition um and embrace embrace let's just get over that mentality (laughs) yeah yeah definitely it's one of those things isn't it where there was still so much resistance even pre-pandemic to kind of use zoom or anything anything digital or like um you know virtual e-signatures or things like that there's so many institutions that are still kind of like Mm anti-tech um and it really makes me laugh the kind of resistance to that which is such a shame because like you say there's so many ways that we can interact in such a positive light where you know that technology can actually support us get, getting our message across but also reduce the input where we're, we're not 
we're not needed for that input we're not needed for that yeah. like creativity that area it's it made me laugh I used this um video tool last year to kind of send like people almost like voice notes because I love sending a voice note <laughs> on whatsapp <laughs> because I've got quite chunky fingers <laughs> um, and my brothers used to mock me for it when I was a child you know um, and on the iPhone my little fat fingers they just don't like the sensitivity of the buttons means that I'm constantly so I just love a voice like it's just easy I can get my point across but I found this app last year where you could do video notes that were just really short video notes um, and you could send them by email I was like that's amazing I don't need to sit here typing out a really lengthy boring email mm that nobody likes to read because you look at a long email and you're like, why have you sent that to me? Um, and I thought, I'll just send these video notes, right? These are so cool. This is going to be life-changing for my business. Um, I sent them to one particular client and they emailed me back going, Lizzie, is this spam? <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't get it. I was like, no, no. Have, you, have you opened it? And they were like, we've sent it around our whole business and everyone thinks this looks like spam. I'm like, but clearly it's my face and you've interacted with me. I'm really confused. I'm just... So I got this like massive backlash from this one client about, I don't, I really don't think you should use those, Lizzie. I was like, oh, okay. no. I won't use those for no. you, but I'm going to use them for the 90 other percent of people that really no. enjoyed them and found them much easier to consume than lengthy emails <laughs> but it just goes to show some people are just so I mean that that organization is very old um but I was just like oh it just goes to show you doesn't it <laughs> yeah. everything you adopt not everyone's going to be into it no I mean I have friends that I've worked with like for a decade and they're saying to me Chantal but like you're doing lots on tech now you know, don't you feel it's like against who you are? Like you're all about the people and like you give a shit about humans. And I'm like, no, I got, I don't think it's against it at all. I think I'm 100% exactly the same human that cares about the exact same thing, but I, I'm choosing to have a different viewpoint than you. And I can feel their, their hesitation of going, you're going to take away the magic. And I'm like, you're not going to. I, to think that people have time to do every, like, you know, just a manager in, in our world in hospitality, you know, the data that they have at their fingertips now is immense. They could spend 10 hours, literally 10 hours, just sitting at an office, in an office, looking at the data and you go, one, you don't want that from them. And yet you've given them all this information. There, there has to be a middle gap around creating an experience where you get the stuff you need, but then can go do actually you want them with customers and you want them with people and to think you can't just keep saying go do it you, you're gonna have to create that experience and map it purposely to get both best of both worlds um so anyway I could just relate I can relate to the even the people who know me and love me I'm like what how are we having this conversation <laughs> I mean, I am still slightly a technophobe as well. I mean, hence why, let's be honest, I've literally come two years late to the TikTok party. <laughs> um, my social media, I mean, my, my my fellow founders are like, Chantal, you need to get on Twitter. I'm like, no, man, I just, I love tech, but my personally, I'm like you, I, I, I'm just, I thrive on connection. So I struggle with social media. Um, so I don't really have any of it. I have LinkedIn because yeah. I have to, but I'm, I'm having to get Twitter like this week. So I'm super late to the game when it comes to technology. 
<laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> no. Oh, amazing. Chantal, you've given us a lot of like practical insights, but what what about if someone is sitting on the fence? Maybe like they're in a company right now and they're thinking, I want to be a bit rebellious. I want to do something to make people give a shit. What are some of the practical things you would recommend people could do to be a bit more disruptive? Yeah. Um, I think start small, you know, start, you know, on one experience, you know, um, maybe don't like, don't pick a super hairy one, but like pick an easy one. Right. But like little low hanging fruit, like pay pays a good one. Like, you know, how many people are opening up their pay slips? Like you can get that data, but like, I'm sure it's not a lot. Okay. And, you know, think about how can you create a better experience for them? So it might just be that you replicate that, you know, in-house and show like a pie chart so people understand total earnings or, you know, like, I don't know what the answer is, but you've got to pick a small niche problem and then give yourself time to think through and experiment some things. I think when we, we look at too big of a topic, like onboarding, like that's too big, like contract, that's a small version or like my first hour. This was used to be my favorite one, especially in hospitality. Your first hour on site when you're an employee, like if you can maximize 60 minutes, you got a good chance of having a good day. And so like, don't plan the day, plan 60 minutes. What is it? Are they vegan? Did you have alternative milk, right? Do they love coffee or do they love tea? Like the, even if it's one question you ask to help that 60 minutes, you will move the dial. And again, once you're on that journey, it'll go. So I think people often take way too big of a chunk and, and then there's a million problems to solve. Take a really niche lane is my number one. And just um, start tinkering, start tinkering and see where you go. And just give yourself permission to not know the, like, you know, not know the, where you're going to arrive. Um, so yeah, that would be like my practical uh way to start <laughs> i love that i love that thank you so much Chantal. you've given us so much food for thought and i i think there's definitely going to be some some practical takeaways we can incite a rebellion <laughs> yeah yeah tiny everyone's going to start a tiny rebellion <laughs> uh, so i wanted to make this a bit fun as well this season so i've got our quick fire round are you ready Chantal? Yeah, I'm going to blow my nose first because I've got a cold from my son. So bear with Okay, there we go. I'm ready. Okay. So when not at work, where will we find you? In the garden with my boys. So two boys, big garden, live on a farm. Love to be outside. <laughs> the one business word you want gone from the English dictionary? Communication. It's too big of a word means way too many things. Start talking in real terms. Yeah. Communication, rubbish. <laughs> Love that. One book recommendation. So not a book person, Audible Learner. So I'll do a podcast. Um, and I'd highly recommend um, Hidden Brain for those who are geek out on kind of any psychology or kind of evidence-based thinking in neuroscience. Hidden Brain is just a good hour of like thinking through stuff. Uh, so Hidden Brain. Or the happiness podcast. If you want a totally different vibe, love the happiness podcast too. If there's one thing you could disrupt, what would it be? Everything. No. Um, one thing I could disrupt, what would it be? 
pay. I think every our relationship with pay is broken. That's mm-hmm. the grenade I'm throwing is pay. Watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chantal, you have been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for joining me on this Changemaker session. Um, is there anything you want to leave us with? Anything you want to share with our audience where we can find you or a, a taster of the work yeah. you're up to at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I'm nowhere on social media, but I'm going to change that as my um my my team is telling me I have to. Uh, but I'm always on LinkedIn. I like I try my best to reply to every single message. So if you if you actually want to know something, please feel free to message me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, a really exciting space right now. So I'm also starting um starting um a tech startup. So in the term stealth mode still, um, because we really believe that like I said, we can embrace technology and create better human moments. So kind of putting my money where my mouth is. So I'm in this like super naked space in tech that I don't understand, uh, wanting um, my comfort of restaurants. Um, But yeah, looking to partner with really restaurants is um, where my love is to kind of help them disrupt their tiny little rebellions. Um, So yeah, I guess that's watch this space of where we're in tech mode and yeah LinkedIn's the easiest place to find me amazing oh I'm so excited to see see more coming from you Chantal thank (laughs) you so much for joining me on this episode no thank you it was awesome I hope um, people enjoyed it you've been listening to make it thrive the company culture podcast with me your host Lizzie Benton if you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture don't forget to subscribe Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.